the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He fed thousands, but after his life, after his death, after his burial, after his resurrection, there were only 20, 120, that were willing to come around him and follow him. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Remember the Day of Atonement? How the high priest on the Day of Atonement would go and he would get two goats or lamb and, and one of those he would take and sacrifice and, and he would have a ceremony where he would say he's taking the sins of the people and transferring those sins onto the head of the lamb or the goat. And then he would take that sacrifice, lamb or goat, and he would take it way outside of the city and he would separate it from the people. Listen, as far as the east is from the west. And then he would go and he would take that other lamb or goat and he would sacrifice that lamb and he would take the blood from that lamb and go into the holiest of places, the holy of holies, and he would take the blood from that sacrifice. And you know what he'd do? He would, he would sprinkle that over that Ten Commandments just to be reminding that only the blood of the sacrificial lamb could cover the lawbreakers. And then Paul, you know what I think he must have said? I think he must have said... That's the hope of Israel. That's the hope of Israel. And then he could have gone on and on and on. He he may have said, hey, Jesus was there at creation. Jesus is the ram in the thicket. Jesus is the spotless lamb. Jesus is the great high priest. Then he said, hey, did you memorize the Psalms of David? What about Psalm 22? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax. It's melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. By the way, crucifixion didn't start until 300 B.C. David wrote those words a thousand B.C. Then he probably reminded him of how that chapter ends. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. And they will proclaim his righteousness. Declaring to a people yet unborn. He has done it. And then along came a man named John. And he began to say. Prepare the way of the Lord. Repent. And turn to God. And then he may have said, you know who he's talking about? It's the hope of Israel. It's the one true king. It's Jesus. 
Then he may have told them about the life of Jesus. The perfect, sinless life. How many times Jesus had told them that he and the Father were one. And then he took them to the cross. The cross where Jesus said in Aramaic, the same words that David said in ancient Hebrew. David said, it will be done. And Jesus said, it is finished. See, Paul's whole life was focused on the reality that it's all about Jesus. Everything we do comes back to Christ. Everything in this book comes back to Christ. And then I can't help but imagine that Paul talked about his story. Remember his story? He probably said, I used to be like you. I hated those who followed Jesus. I didn't understand it. I didn't know the way. But one day I was heading to Damascus just to persecute some more followers of Jesus. And the Lord appeared to me. And I fell down and said, Lord, what do you want to do with me? And he changed my life. Now I've been through shipwrecks. I've been abused. I've been abandoned. I've been beaten. They've tried to kill me. They've kicked me out of towns. And I had to put up with a bunch of church people. But I've done it for the kingdom of God. His whole life was about Jesus, the hope of Israel, the promised king. Now, what was the response of that? We have it in the scripture. Some were like a few of you. Some were like, yes, that's, yes, where are we? Sign me up. Others that said, said, no, thank you. The cost is too big. I can't do that. And others, it said, literally got up and walked out while he was talking. Now, I can relate to that because, you know, I never know if somebody's just going to the bathroom or they need a drink of water or what. But it's kind of, every hurts my feelings a little bit when somebody gets up and walks out or falls asleep in church or that kind of thing. You, you just never know. So, why did they do that? Well, it tells us. It literally says, while he was saying this. Listen to what he was saying. Go to the people and say, you'll ever be hearing but never understand. You'll ever be seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. They'll hardly hear with their ears. They've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and I would heal them. He's quoting Isaiah 6. Jesus had quoted this same passage in Matthew. And what is he saying? He's saying, I've spent all day telling you about the hope of Israel from the beginning of the book. But guess what? Some of you got it, but you don't got it. Some of you know it up here, but you don't know it in here. Your life is no different. You've become callous. You're hard-hearted. And some of them begin to walk out. Shocker. 
And after a lifetime around the church, I would say that's still true today. Man, we, we can check a box. We can gather in a room like this, in a space and place like this, and hear the facts, but walk out stubborn and hard-hearted without change. Man, don't be that person. Be the person to determined to live under the rule of the king in every way for every day. But you know there's a lesson in what takes place there. Really it's the lesson that Jesus gave us in what we call the parable of the souls, soils. He's saying that you know sometime the seed will go out and the seed will land in soil. And it's amazing. It just begins to grow and grow and grow. And there's a beautiful harvest before you. And, and then sometime the seed will go out. And it'll look like it's starting to grow. But then you realize it never, it never took root. And so it dies. And then sometimes the seed will go out. And, and it's in rocky soil. So, so it'll grow. But eventually it'll get choked out. By maybe the cares of life. And he said, sometimes the seed will go out and it's kind of like that Dorito you're eating in your hand over at the beach. And before you can get it to your mouth, the enemy comes along and swipes it out of your hand. You see, there's a lesson that God's teaching us there. The problem isn't with the delivery of the seed. The problem is the condition of the soil. The seed is the message, the hope of Israel, the gospel. The soil... soils our hearts this is encouraging to me as a preacher because sometimes I forget it but here's the truth it's only God that can save it's only God that can change a heart but our God uses us our God uses you uses me so what do we do we do what Paul did we keep focusing on the kingdom wherever we are every day for two whole years Paul stayed there in his own rented house and he welcomed all who came to see him he proclaimed the kingdom of God he taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness and without hindrance can that be said of you? Man, what I've discovered is those things we're passionate about, we do boldly and without hindrance. Some of you, I'll be honest, your, your priorities are misguided because when it comes to politics, you can talk boldly and without hindrance. When it comes to sports, you can talk boldly and without hindrance. When it comes to your hobby, you can talk boldly and without hindrance. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, you don't think that way. Why? Because you're hindered. Did you hear the story a couple weeks ago about the tumbleweeds? Out west, 
The wind blew so much in, in one community in Montana that these dead weeds began to tumble around in the ground. And they gathered up so much that they would, in one neighborhood, come in front of the houses and keep people from getting out of the house. They were hindered by what? Weeds. Dead, dumb weeds. Some of you are being hindered. Some of you are being hindered because you have a desire to shine. You know what I'm saying? It's all about you. It's, it's pride. You are the most important thing in your life. And you and Jesus and his kingdom can't be the most important thing. You can't do your will all the time and do his will all the time. Just can't be done. Some of you are hindered because of your desire to recline. What I'm saying is you're lazy. You're just not willing to do the work. That's why in most every church, about 15% of the people do 85% of everything that has to be done. That's why the same people end up watching kids in our, our preschool and our nursery and our children all the time. That's why the same people are at the door greeting you every week because some of you never do it. Some of you are hindered just because you want to whine. I've heard a lot of this. There's always an excuse. I can come up with an excuse not to do anything I don't want to do. And here's the way it works in church most of the time. Man, I want to get unhindered. We we just got married and we're going to enjoy our our young married life a little bit. And I'm going to get unhindered uh, maybe after, after we enjoy this a little bit. Then you get kids. And then you say, hey, man, our life is so busy taking care of our kids. I'm going to get unhindered when our kids get a little older. Then you start doing what we did, and you follow your kids around everywhere they go, to sporting events, to recitals, to all these different things they do. And you say, we're going to be unhindered for the Lord when, when our kids are out of the house. Then you're empty nesters, and you think, hallelujah. And, and you say, wow, we can go. And so you begin to go do what you want to do because you no longer have kids. And then you say, we're going to be unhindered after we enjoy this a little while. And then, then you realize, man, Man, now it's time we got to make the money. We got to climb the ladder. We got to live out our career. And so you'll say, You're, We'll be unhindered when we retire. And then you retire and you say, Man, we've worked all our lives. We're going to go to the mountains. We got to enjoy the leaves changing colors. You say, well, I'll be unhindered after we just enjoy life. And you end up never becoming unhindered for the Lord. The silly things, the dead weeds of life keep you. From doing what God wants you to do. So that's how Acts ends. Verse 31. He proclaimed the kingdom of God. He taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. With boldness and without hindrance. The Apostle Paul. That's a weird ending kind of. Why? Because this book's not about Paul. It's not his story. This is about the kingdom of God. And so what happened in Acts 28 was the passing of the baton. It was the beginning of our job. Let me see if I can illustrate that. But I got to back up a little beyond this moment. Let's go back to about 30 B.C. 30 B.C. Jesus is there with his disciples. 
And he's in one of my favorite places on the planet. It's called Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi. I wouldn't recommend going right now. It's in Israel. But they're in Caesarea Philippi. Uh, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, eh. And then Jesus says, understand this. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Three years later, Jesus is standing with those 120 we talked about. And he says, hey, you're going to get some power. And the power is going to give you boldness. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Then he takes the elevator up. The people of God, those 120, they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the church is born the next day. The church is born on Pentecost. 3,000 people are saved, and the message of the kingdom begins to go out. Well, what happens? In 42 AD, Mark goes to Egypt. In 49 AD, Paul goes to Turkey. In 51 AD, Paul goes to Greece. In 52 AD, Thomas goes to India. In 54 AD, Paul goes on his third and most believed his final missionary trip. And in 61 AD, Paul goes to Rome as a prisoner and proclaims the kingdom. Does it stop? Nope. In 174 AD, the first Christians are reported in Austria. In 280 AD, the first rural churches in Italy. In 350 AD, 31.7 million Romans. 31.7 million Romans professed to follow Christ in the place where Paul was in prison. In 432 AD, Patrick heads to Ireland. In 596 AD, Gregory the Great sends Augustine to England in Canterbury and baptizes 10,000 people in two years. In 635 AD, the first Christian missionaries go to China. In 740 AD, Irish monks land in Iceland. In 900 AD, missionaries reach Norway. In 1200 AD, the Bible's available already in 22 languages. In 1490 AD, the first Christians are in Kenya. In 1501, A.D., the Pope grants to Spain the task of providing religious education to the natives in the Americas. In 1537, the Pope orders that Indians of the New World be brought to Christ by the preaching of the divine word. In 1554 A.D., 1,500 new Christians are in Thailand. In 1638, the first Baptist church was started in Rhode Island. In 1671, missionaries arrived in the Carolinas. In 1672, the first Baptist church of Charleston was formed. In 1735, John and Charles Wesley come to America. In 1845, the Southern Baptist Convention was formed. In 1854, the Florida Baptist Convention was formed. In 1937, God called a man named Billy Graham to ministry right here in Temple Terrace. And just a few years later, in 1956, Spencer Memorial Church in Tampa started a mission in Temple Terrace that was first called Mission Hills Baptist Church. Chapel, but soon changed its name to First Baptist Church Temple Terrace. And in 2011, the First Baptist Church of Temple Terrace called a new pastor who was raised in a small town in South Carolina where those missionaries came. And as of November 5th, 2023, in the last 13 years, God has allowed us to see 1,200 plus people walk through the waters of believers' baptism in this church. One of those guys was a man named Muhammad. Muhammad came to this church because we offer English classes. Remember, you don't have to be a preacher. You might be an English teacher. You just have to be committed to God's kingdom right where you are. Because of the love that Muhammad felt in those English classes, he began to attend a Bible study that some of the students attended after the English classes. Pastor Zach began to talk to him about the love of God. He couldn't understand it. This concept of forgiveness just rocked his world. 
One day, Muhammad was in the hospital. Pastor Zach went to visit him, and he again shared the gospel. And Muhammad said, you don't understand, Zach. There's no hope for somebody like me. Muhammad was from Iraq. He said, in Iraq, I did some evil things. There's no way God can forgive me. And Zach said, no, you don't understand. That's the message of the gospel. That's the hope that God gives to everybody. He does forgive our sins. He loves you. Would you trust him today and let Jesus be your savior? And that day, Muhammad trusted Christ. Muhammad began to follow Jesus and began to be discipled in his faith. And there in his apartment here in Tampa, he would bring people from the Middle East in and he would begin to share with them about his new faith. But one day, he decided to leave here and go to Europe where his children were because he wanted them to hear the message of the gospel that he had heard. In Europe, he got sick. It was during COVID. And after just a couple of days in the hospital, Muhammad went to heaven. But it all began because he heard the hope of Israel, the hope of the gospel through the ministry of this church. But that's not important because it's a history lesson. It's important because I want you to understand it's your turn. Church, it's our turn. Particularly our church. Think about where God's placed us. In this community, we're being told that they're building the largest mosque in North America. And yet here in this community, we have a church that desperately desires to shine God's light, to show his love in manifest ways. We've got to ask the question, how will the kingdom of God expand through us? Where will it go from here? We say that every time we meet, we, we, we gather with people from 60 nations of origin. Will we continue to take the nation on, the message on to the nations? We have people that have come to Christ here. I had the opportunity to baptize one of our Chinese believers in a private ceremony that's now in the government in that land. You never know the difference you can make if you live unhindered. So what will it be? What if we proclaim the kingdom boldly without hindrance? What if we gave of that which God's given us boldly and without hindrance? And what if we surrender to the kingdom task boldly and without hindrance? Beginning right where we are. I've been trying to point you in this direction for a number of weeks. and In fact, in the coming days, you're going to hear us saying something that we want to begin to roll off your lips. It's understanding that we are broken people. We're creating God's mosaic in Jesus Christ by meeting needs, healing hurts, and speaking his word every day. As you become a part of this church, it's not just so that you might check a box and and say that you were here as the church gathered, but so that you might scatter into your little corner of the world. And manifest the kingdom of God every day. We do that by understanding that where we are is holy ground.
Do you understand that? This is holy ground. But where you work, it's holy ground. Where you go to school, that's holy ground. Your neighborhood, it's holy ground. And you can make a difference right where you are. Like my friend Mimi began to make when she first went to Tanzania 10 years ago. She went on a mission trip and she began to recognize that there were children that didn't have anybody that was committed to caring for them. So Mimi decided to become that person. And now for the last 10 years, she's not only gone, she's given to make that sacrifice for God's glory. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on Faith Talk Tampa. Online at letstalkfaith.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.